There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medical wisdom have been dismantled by Big Pharma. We are truly in the dark ages of healing. After all, it's not just about living long. It's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Seek the truth with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And this is Episode 79, The 10 Most Dangerous Drugs. Now, by now... You all should have received your username and password to get on our new Forbidden website. Because there are over 700 Forbidden Protocols in our systems library on our website. So now you're able to just go in there and search for your symptom or systems and treat yourselves. Yeah. Now, you still need to consult with your doctor of your choice, of course, but go to the website And sign in because there is a very special time-sensitive announcement here. Yeah. um, There's only three days left to take advantage of this. This offer expires midnight, July 31st, 2016. So go browse through these protocols wherever they apply to you. This is the forbidden protocols you were not allowed to know. This will make you the forbidden doctor. Yeah. And they're listed two different ways, alphabetically and in groups of symptoms, or you can just simply type in the symptom you want to look for. And this is just the beginning of what we talked about a couple of podcasts ago of ripping a hole in the universe and setting you free from needing permission to think, permission to be healed, permission to live your life healthily. So welcome to the future of healing. So if you're not already a patient of our clinic, the only way to see these protocols on our website is to take the symptom survey. So you got to go to ForbiddenDoctor.com and sign up to take the system survey. Right. Now, this is, this is because of HIPAA. This is to protect you. This is so that we can have what's known as at-a-distance health care should you want it where you can get our advice and our, our understanding, our knowledge of these things at a distance. And so to protect you and comply with HIPAA's guidelines and rules and regulations, you just take the symptom survey, and that gives us a little bit of information about you. There's no cost at this point in time. There's no charge for any of this. Then we'll send you out some basic information we think that would very well apply to you, and then you can take it for what it's worth. Yeah, no cost. No cost. No obligation. No obligation. All, it, all you have to do is give us an email and so we can send to you the information for the survey and you take it. We'll evaluate it, tell you what we think, and then you can go from there if and you want. And then you get your username and password. Yes. It's the only way you can get it. So here is our oh, weekly yes. feature. Here's our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets They Don't Want You to Know. These are secret things they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. So Now, today, our entire podcast will be about this weekly feature. But before we start in, I want to tell you one quick story that I just have to tell you that nobody would know except my son hurt his knee in some little football game he was playing with some friends. 
and he's very busy. He's going to college. He's going. He's doing mechanical engineering, and he's got a girlfriend, and we just don't see him like we should. Well, his knee was hurting him quite a bit, and he didn't really tell us. And it's been hurting for quite a while, we found out. Yes. And he finally let me know he was on his way to go to a four hours away from here to go get his knee checked out by an um, orthopedic surgeon. My ex-husband had told him, you know, this is a really good, incredible surgeon. You need to go get your knee checked out. I guess he was talking to him more than I was. I didn't really realize this was going on. So on the way down to where he was going, he called me and says, hey, I'm going down to get a... And I just freaked out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Knee this is this is something that responds so well to what we do structurally. Yeah, knee surgery is one of the most canceled surgeries in our clinic. Yes, it is. So he went down and had his little, you know, appointment with the surgeon. Luckily, the surgeon said he didn't want to do anything right now, which was wonderful. I was so scared that he would talk him into doing some surgery. Came back up, and you kind of railed on him and said, get in here. And you took him into the clinic and you took new x-rays and he was horribly misaligned, yes. which means that he was wearing his knee. He was, he was, how, how do you put it? He was walking inappropriately, misaligned. Well, his postural alignment was way out of balance. So his weight was thrown off and the way he would move his legs and when you watched him walking, you could see the slight little limp that was going on in there that even he wasn't aware of. But I could see it. I mean, that's my, that's my training. So I took some films. I made an adjustment to the spine. And he, he was way out of alignment. By out of alignment, I mean his head, his neck, his spine, his pelvis, his legs were not in vertical alignment. I feel so bad. He was twisted in several places. And so I made a correction and straightened him up completely. And as he was resting after the correction to his spine, he said, boy, I feel my spine moving. I feel it moving in several places. Yeah. So the knees stopped popping. Yeah, the knees stopped popping. Now it's not being twisted. His whole spine isn't being twisted on his knee. And he's all better. But had he been a little bit worse, there's a very good chance he would be under the knife within the next week or two for something that doesn't need surgery. I know. And as he's walking out, you know, I'm hugging him, I'm patting him, I'm apologizing for not taking better care of him. And I'm walking out and I said, you know, you're so lucky that you have Jack to take care of you. And I thought of all the teenage boys, of all the people that are walking inappropriately on their knee or twisted on their knee and could have this taken care of so simply and so easily. Mm -hmm. And they don't know. They don't know. It's forbidden information. You're so inexpensive to come see. And it's not just you because you're so busy. I don't even know if people can get into you, but there's NUCA doctors all over the country. You want to go to NUCA, N-U-C-C-A dot org. Find one in your neighborhood. Yeah, before you get... Yeah, at least consider a free consultation with them to see if they can address the problem before you go under the, under the knife. The, uh, I can't ever say it. Arthroscopic surgery. Yeah, arthroscopic. arthroscopic surgery. You're right. That's I correct. used to work in a, in a um, sur- uh, outpatient surgical center. This was like 25 years ago. And these, when I was very young, 20, 21 years old, and these people would come in for this arthroscopic surgery. And the pain... I mean, I could not believe the screaming pain. People would call the clinic after the surgery, screaming in pain. 
And then, of course, I told as I told my son, if you hadn't had seen Jack today, you would be you're headed in this down that road. This this road of knee problems the rest of your life for yep. a little teeny tiny misalignment that took that long to yep. fix. Yep, he has he has a serious a sprain in one of the supporting ligaments of his knee. And in the condition that it was in, it was causing constant inflammation to that ligament. Mm-hmm. But by bringing the body back into alignment, it untwisted. Now it has a chance to heal. And he should only have to see you a few times. Oh, two or three times and he'll be fine. Yeah. So, All anyway, right, so okay, let's we're going to begin going our with... podcast. Let's have a short discussion on drugs just to begin with. Okay. And here are the five reasons why you shouldn't take the drugs we're going to be talking about. Drugs do not make you healthy. Isn't that amazing? Drugs do not make you healthy. You cannot drug yourself into health. I mean, has the whole world gone stark, raving, mad? (laughs) Symptoms will bind and they will tie down and they will gag the pain or the symptom, but you're no better. How do I know? Stop taking the drug and see what happens. You're no better. You're no better off at all. Second reason, drugs are synthetic chemicals that work against the body. They cover up serious dysfunction, and the foundational problem is never addressed. Which is one reason why our clinic is as busy as it is, because that's what we deal with is the underlying cause of the problem. Not the problem itself. Nutritionally and structurally. And all have all all drugs have bad side effects. There's no drug that is safe out there. Even aspirin has serious side effects. So they all have all some. drugs by their very nature are poisons to the mm-hmm. human body. Also, drug approvals are meaningless. As we talked about in one of our podcasts where Fecal transplants were 90% effective. Do you know drugs only have to be 7% effective to get past the yeah. FDA? The past editor, and I can't think of her name at the, at the time, but I, I've referred to her in, in podcasts in the past. The, the past editor of the New England Journal of Medicine said she cannot trust medical studies anymore. She, and she says she, she just won't because they're all bought and paid for. And we will reference that in one of the drugs that we talk about here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit deeper. And and remember that most of these diseases are not really diseases at all. Yeah. You know, they're just a direct reflection of your gut health, your endocrine health, and your body chemistry, like obesity. Obesity isn't a disease. It's treated like that, but it's a simply a metabolic imbalance in the body. That's because it gets rid of the guilt. Yeah. You've got to get rid of the guilt so we can take the drugs. It's not my fault. It just happened. Ping, my body just broke, and now I've got to take pill. these drugs. Give me a pill. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical drugs, just and we talked about this recently too, have officially been declared the third leading cause of death in America today. In fact, it was first announced in the year 2000, 16 years ago, it was the third leading cause of death. We've gone stark, raving, yeah. mad. You know, if uh, Sears' brake department killed 10 people a year, I mean, it would be front page news. If they suddenly went back through the records and said, holy smoke, Sears' brakes have been killing people at the rate of 10 per year for the last 20 years. That's 200 people killed by Sears' brake department. <laughs> Whereas drugs kill hundreds of thousands a year. But, you, you know, it's not front page news. Okay, right. here's the 10 most dangerous, dangerous drugs. Number one, PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. Those drugs that stop your body from breaking down protein. Yeah. 
They, they neutralize the acid in your stomach. They force the pyloric valve open. So the food you've eaten ha- gets shoved down into the small intestine and out of your stomach. So you feel better. And the doctor's a hero because all of a sudden you don't have this heartburn coming up, this GERD, this yeah. acid reflux. And it stops your proton pump from producing acid that is life. Now, unless you have a real problem with this, you may not know what a proton pump is. There are cells that line the inner lining of the stomach that are sitting there going, just like a machine gun, pumping out these proton pump, or I mean these protons. It's just a, it's a hydrogen ion. And hydrogen ions are incredibly reactive. They do not exist by themselves in nature. They, in, in a gaseous state, it's H2. The hydrogen binds with another hydrogen, and then you have hydrogen gas. But it's extremely reactive on the periodic table. And so your stomach, when it needs acid, pumps out these little hydrogen ions that mixes with the chloride ions that are in there because you have a healthy dose of salt every day. Ooh, do you? Ooh. Do you really? Huh? 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 I'm talking about... All these about, people that are so proud of themselves for not eating salt. Yeah, have terrible digestive problems. Mm-hmm. And so that hydrogen ion combines with the chloride ion and forms HCl. Now you have these two gases, a hydrogen gas and a chlorine gas, coming together forming a liquid called hydrochloric acid. And you need hydrochloric acid to... Initiate pepsin. Well, if you, you need hydrochloric acid so that the stomach pH gets low enough that the, bot, the cell walls of the stomach or at least pepsin, mm-hmm. the absolute destructor of protein. But you are not going to digest protein without this. Mm-mm. And so when you take a PPI, you stop protein digestion. In fact, you stop it down to a level of 90%. Now, a study that was done by Johns Hopkins University found a 15% increase in kidney disease over a 10-year span for people who use these things, but that's one of the major side effects is damage to the health of the kidneys. So these proton pump inhibitors, they block the natural enzymes that create this, this formation of hydrogen and um, chloride. And what happens is that when you can't digest proteins, you are robbing your body of the ability to digest and absorb vital protein-based nutrients. Oh, you think? <laughs> you mean just that protein, the building block of everything. Yeah, you eat a piece of meat, and then <laughs> you're taking your PPIs, and you're eating meat because you like meat, but guess what happens to the meat? It doesn't get digested. It sits there and rots and putrefies and ferments and produces its own horrible acid and blows itself back up your esophagus. And previous studies show that a person's risk of contracting what we talked about in another podcast recently, Clostridium difficile, yep. C. diff, increases. Why? Because very hot stomach acid, to the degree of battery acid, which is where it should be, Mm -hmm. destroys pathogens. It destroys parasites. It destroys viruses. All the microbes that are deadly or or invasive or pathogenic to the human body are destroyed in the foods that you eat. Yeah, H. pylori. It causes ulcers. H. pylori will grow inside of a stomach that is not sufficiently acidic. Yeah, Dr. Lee discovered this decades and decades ago. I mean, somebody just won a Nobel Prize for that. That's about five, six years yeah, ago, a doctor in Australia won the Nobel Prize for what Dr. Lee said six yeah, decades they're ago. They're late to the party. So anyway, a major 10-year study that was published in a British medical journal in 2011 found that the uh, the drugs put users at a tw- these PPIs at a 20% greater increase of heart attack 
Jeez. Yeah, see? And so, do, you know, do, doctors but, hardly ever stop and think what a 90% reduction in stomach acid is actually doing to their body, their patient's ability to fight infection and utilize nutrients. Do you want me to tell you what the FDA says about it? The what? FDA says that these drugs increase bacterial diarrhea, magne- magnesium deficiency, and bone f- fractures. And now they want to give these and to babies. Yeah, they, they, they also increase the risk of pneumonia and unhealthy weight gain. Why? Because you don't have protein. <laughs> you don't have protein. Oh, that and little thing. The little the the bacteria that gets into the stomach and bacteria is getting in the stomach constantly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just come out the bottom end. It's coming in the top oh, end. Oh, you're talking about the bacterial stuff. The bacterial stuff that's destroyed by strong stomach acid gets into the gut. Because it wasn't destroyed by stomach acid. And now they want to give this to babies. Just this week, I've got a six-month-old that's getting a little colicky. Not I have it, but there's a patient. And the mother brought him in, and I've seen him since he was born. And I think I've worked on him twice in a six-month period. It didn't have to do very much, but had to do a little bit. Suddenly, he's getting colicky, so she took him in for his six-month check to the pediatrician. who wants to put him on Prevacid. Do you know... He wants to put a baby on a drug that stops protein digestion when this little body is going through growth spurts of phenomenal logarithmic scale that requires protein to grow. This is unbelievable. Do you know our... Well, you know this, but our son never, ever, ever, not one single time went to a well baby checkup or any... Doctor whatsoever. <clears throat> and he, <clears throat> yeah, except for you. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, I mean, this just blows my mind that we need permission to live, to go to these doctors. Well, well put. Let's see. Let's see where my baby is. Let's see if I need something. These well baby checkups are so dangerous. Well, you cut down your body's ability to digest protein by 90%. And what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, nothing so, will rebuild. So what do we suggest? Just Zypan. It was in, um, Dr. Royal Lee tried to um, introduce this in 1937 as a digestive aid, and they wouldn't let him. They let Camel Cigarettes sell cigarettes as a digestive aid the same year. Quote, literally, literally as a digestive aid, but they would not let Dr. Royal Lee sell Zypan as a digestive aid because... We don't have health care in this country anymore. We just have a business called health care. And so they had a long-term investment. If you start smoking cigarettes, in 20 years, they're going to have a patient. They're going to make money off of you. You get your digestion fixed, they're never going to have a no. patient. All right, number two. Number two. This, we really fought over whether this should be number two or number one, but we finally decided PPIs were number one. Number two is statins. statins. Lip... Uh, Lipitor, Lipitor, Crestor, Zocor. Yeah, those really bad, bad Yeah, the, drugs. the drugs that greatly increase your risk of diabetes, liver disease, brain damage, muscle atrophy, and even early death. Yeah. Um, they're going to laugh at us again for this, I hope, just five years in the future, but it'll probably be 100 years in the future that we ever tried to stop our liver from making fat. From making cholesterol. George Mann, MD, a past professor of medicine and biochemistry at Vanderbilt University, said this, quote, Saturated fat and cholesterol in the diet are not the cause of coronary heart disease. That myth is the greatest scientific deception of this century, perhaps any century, 
end quote. Yeah, statins, they stop the action of the HMG-CoA reductase enzyme in the liver, which prevents the liver from synthesizing cholesterol. Yeah. If you don't have enough cholesterol in your diet, your liver will make it. Yeah. And so what these drugs do is they stop your liver from making what the liver is signaled by the brain to make. Unbelievable. Because they've got this ridiculously over... You should see his face right now. (laughs) They have this idea in their head that has been shown in several studies to be as false as possible that cholesterol is related to heart disease. And now they want people's cholesterol levels to be under 200. Yeah, 150, honey. Now they're they're aiming at 100. Is it 150? Holy smoke. Yeah. The older you get, the more your cholesterol should be. I had a patient here just recently, and she showed me her blood work. It was under 200. And I looked at it, and I said, it should be 325. She looked at me, what? Yeah. I mean, it's like... I said, it should be 325. You're postmenopausal. You're 70 years old. You 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 think you're fat. I think you're perfect. You're you're about ten pounds over what you think you should be. You are where you should be because you are where you should be, and your cholesterol should be up above three hundred and maybe three hundred and twenty-five to three hundred and fifty, or your brain is going to stop working. We have an amazing blog that I'm going to put a link on um, for you at the end of this podcast. It's called the Crucible Crucial. Statin decision, and it's by Dr. Thomas Cowan. He's one oh, of, that's excellent. He's yes. one of our favorite doctors on the heart and many other things. But he also um, talks about it that these statin drugs inhibit CoQ10. Oh, okay. Your heart cannot function without CoQ10. Yeah, it inhibits it. Yes, it inhibits it. I mean, these people should be put in jail. It statins inhibit CoQ10, which is the compound required for energy. Generation. Yeah, the production of ATP in the heart muscle. The mitochondrial maintenance that makes, that repairs the, for the repair and maintenance of the heart. So the body cells, the heart cells, particularly the heart cells, are unable to obtain the energy they need for normal cellular metabolism and repair. Okay? So it blocks that as well. I mean, if all doctors followed the latest cholesterol treatment guidelines... And all their patients took their prescribed statin medication. According to recent research, there would be three and a half million more diabetics in this country. But a lot of people stopped taking it. So you're saying statins cause diabetes? Well, that's what the research shows, that your chances of contracting diabetes greatly increases by the use of a statin drug. Do you know statins also inhibit the the, um, conversion of K1, vitamin K1, to the active form of vitamin K2? whose main function is to prevent calcification of the various blood vessels of the body. So as a result, statin users have increased coronary artery plaques than non-users in clinical trials. Yes. Now that I've got it, we've got a clinical trial link here so you can follow it and see the actual... Remember we just went to this... We, we, we went out to eat the other night because we had worked late. It was too late to go home and cook something. So we started looking around for a new restaurant in town. And that protein thing, I forget what it's called. Oh, Some it was pro- so bad. So protein thing. And we it's, went in there. The restaurant's called a protein... Protein something. It's called protein restaurant or something like that. Yeah. Protein only. I know. <laughs> Did I, they I, pass I, out Zypan, I wonder? <laughs> and we looked at the menu and we looked at each other in shock. It was, it was Low stunning. fat this, low fat that, no fat this, no fat that. 
Protein shakes. Protein no shakes. No fat in them. Turkey burgers. White. The whites of whites of the no egg yolks no at egg all yolks. in their food. Proudly. They're all white, white. And here, here's the thing. It, why do I bring this up? Because the dry weight of our brain is seventy percent fat. If you were to take the the brain, uh, preferably after someone had expired and they were no longer <laughs> around, we take the brain and we dry it to, to powder. Seventy percent of that is fat. And the majority of these fats are the omega-3s in the form of DHA and EPA that we've talked about so many times. Our nerves, our brain tissue need these fats as the essential building blocks, the, the insulators between nerves, the myelin sheath acts as insulators, so nerves can function correctly. Our joints are lubricated by these fats. Almost every tissue in the body needs these fats. And while you've got more DHA, is more abundant in the brain and the eyes, and the eyes are just an extension of the brain, and the EPA is more in the heart and joints. Here are some of the conditions that omega-3 fats have been used for. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, osteoporosis, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, ADHD, cognitive decline, skin disorders, IBS, macular degeneration, menstrual pain, colon cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer. The list goes on and on. All of these demonstrate a deficiency in these important fats in our diet that lead to these malnutritive problems. And you take a statin. And you take a statin to stop all fat production in the body. And then you're told to go on a low-fat diet on top of that. Unbelievable. No wonder drugs are the third like leading cause Trump, of don't death. I sound like Donald Trump, don't I? I've got to say it twice, though, to sound like him. So when you can't convert K1 to K2, it increases the amount of coronary artery lesions. That's the because very that's, thing they're meant to prevent and that's, treat. That's one of the protectors, right? Oh, that's so scary. All right. Can we go to the next one? Already? Yes. SSRIs, the anti-anxiety, anti-psychotic drugs. Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Lexapro, uh, Lithium, which is the mineral, of course. And Celexa, and the, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I uh, Last podcast, I actually... Decided to put in, in the links, the letter that I wrote to the New York Times. And as of today, they haven't accepted the letter, which I didn't think they would. But that was one of my main, that was, that was one of my main reasons for the terrorism all over the world. These people cannot think. Not only are they have been told to take, to not eat fat um, and salt and all these incredibly wonderful foods to feed the brain and their guts are so destroyed. So they're not creating the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins. They're taking SSRIs on top of them. Yes. So they're not even in their right mind. They're truly like in a dream state where they don't even realize they're doing what they're doing. Yes. And that is a, in my opinion, one of the huge contributing factors to the terrorism in the world today. Yeah, that was in your letter to the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Now, these high doses of these brain-altering chemicals, because that's exactly what they do, that are marketed as antidepressants, uh, in a Harvard Health study, a recent one, that they analyzed the data on 162,625 people, found great increase in the likelihood of self-harm wow. rather than decreasing the risk. And suicide. Well, that's self-harm. That's the self-harm. Yeah, yeah. And so... You know, the, the, the idea of a selective... But they never just take themselves out. They, it's somebody with them. 
well, well, they do sometimes, but that's what that's what I think is really increasing. The, oh, I wouldn't be surprised. This increase of murder suicides. Yeah, the last and, one, the last guy, the eighteen-year-old that just shot up a bunch of people in Munich. Munich he killed himself afterwards. Yeah. It, the police didn't even have to take yeah. him out. So, so one in every 13 children in the United States right now is prescribed a psychiatric pharmaceutical drug, and which, of course, artificially boosts the level of serotonin, which, is, which eventually will crash. And the reason why it crashes is because your liver is constantly picking up these chemicals coming through the bloodstream, through the liver, and the liver is making enzymes to break these things down because it knows it doesn't belong there. Yeah. And instead of healing the gut of these children that need it so desperately, they're just throwing drugs at them to numb them out so they don't have, the parents don't have to deal with them. So the result of this Harvard study just simply supports what we said there at the beginning of the show, that most minds cannot be drugged into health. You can't drug a mind into working better. And with antidepressants, it just has been proven to cause more suicides. Whereas a lot of the nutritional and holistic approaches actually do work because you can, yeah. People are swimming in propaganda. Well, I mean, I, that's I, all they hear. Watch, just watch an hour of one of the major news networks, Fox News, CNN, mm-hmm. any MSNBC, any of these Watch an hour in the early morning when the morning news starts and see how many drug commercials come on in that hour. And of those drugs, how many you never even heard of before? Because they're coming out almost daily. Yeah. And like you said, you said, how do you escape that propaganda? And these, these pharmaceutical giants spend billions of dollars on their own funded studies and the press releases. And, you know, you, you can't get away from it. Well, and they have lots of money to also sell these. You know, that. You, what does it cost to put an ad on CNN? Hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars, I if mean, not more. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like that, that, that actor guy, I don't want to call him names, but he says, you know, the Prilosec, going back to Prilosec and Nexium and Prevacet, which so irked me. I, he says, I can eat anything I want, and I just take my Prilosec, and yeah. I'm just fine. Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the Cable Guy, yeah. yeah, because they have the money to pay an actor to go out there and and say Show that. Show a big, happy family barbecue taking place, and they're all eating barbecued meats and everything else. You I, guys, we have to fix this. We have to fix this. All right, next group, number four. It's a group of things together, steroids, anti-inflammatories, opioids, pain relievers. Well, We it, stuck them all in one group. Did I walk on you? Yes, yes, because you didn't talk about antidepressants that destroy your sleep. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's one of the big, the, one of the big side effects of antidepressants yeah. is robbing people of sleep. Yeah, sleep is essential to your overall mood and reducing depression. I mean, you have to get your sleep. But um, Prozac is what they're saying in, in this article, and I have a link to this. It reduces your sleep quality. So, and if you've ever been prescribed an antidepressant, ask yourself this question. Did the pharmacist or the doctor ever mention to you that this drug is known to suppress restorative REM sleep? Now, we know that we need at least eight hours of sleep a night. The average human being needs eight hours. Yeah. 20% of that time, almost two hours of it, is involved with REM, rapid eye movement. This is the dreaming state. There are people who say, well, I dream, but I don't remember them. And there are people who say, well, I never dream. 
Those are the ones I'm a little concerned with because those are the states in which we dream. And if we do not get active time of REM, REM sleep, we are robbing our body's ability for the brain to restore itself for the next day's activities. And this is one of the major side effects of an antidepressant. It gets rid of REM sleep. Well, let me explain. Prozac's developer, Eli Lilly, they didn't even you, they didn't even develop it for depression or anxiety or anything else. They developed it as a hypertensive or high blood pressure drug and an anti-obesity yeah. drug, but neither worked. Yeah. <laughs> neither worked. Then they tested it on psychotic patients. And um, because, you know, why not? Let's just test it on them that were hospitalized because they were depressed. And the drug was reported to have (laughs) no effect. In some cases, it worsened their symptoms. But only when they tested Prozac on mild depressives did they find any success. And mild depressives don't need it in the first place. (laughs) They're just mild. (laughs) For crying out loud. Yeah, but guess what? Eli Eli Lilly's total revenue in 2013 for just Prozac was $23 billion with a B dollars. And in 1999, I know that's a long time ago, but Prozac represented one-fourth of total revenue of Eli Lilly. Well, restoring your ability to sleep is, is is just a key feature when if we're going to talk about depression and anxiety and related mood disorder symptoms that I deal with with my patients the uh, one of the first questions I ask is how much sleep are you getting and they're almost all insomniacs yeah they're all having a hard time with this I mean we spend one third of our life asleep and as I said one fourth of that is in this this ability to restore the cognitive aspects of your brain for the next day's activities and if we can fix the causes of these sleep disorders, we can improve the quality of one's life. And okay. We're, and we're going to get a little bit more into that a little you further know, here. And, and, and you're zipping through this too fast because we're not saying what to use instead. <gasps> You've just... <laughs> I know we have a lot to cover. I'm so sorry. I'll make a handout for this. But the SSRs use instead... Ageless thyroid to help loop that HPA axis back together, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal that feeds the endocrine system. Make sure you get your gut healthy and you could do gaps. We have um, have three different protocols on our website for gaps now and three for children. So that's six different protocols. And then another really important thing is to get a NUCA correction, which I explained at the beginning of the podcast my son got. Very gentle, very... I've taken care of two teenage girls in the last 30 days for a number of symptoms they're having, uh, but both were repeating, reporting anxiety. And with the first correction, the anxiety was over with. Yeah, They freeze- said, I, can, I feel like I can finally relax. It free- you always say, welcome back yep. to the human race. It yep. frees up your nervous system. So um, we didn't go over what we should have used in the place of statins. But um, we kind of zip through that pretty fast. I'll put that list of things that you need to do in the place of statins. Well, statins are being prescribed for to keep levels of cholesterol low. What we want is healthy fat well, intake yeah, and healthy not, fat utilization. We're not going to try and keep your cholesterol levels low. Your cholesterol levels should be what they are. If you have wounds all through your body, you're going to have high cholesterol. Yeah, your 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 blood cholesterol. I mean, your it should be high. I mean, your you you got to get that fat to a wound to help bring it. The fat that brings all the nutrients to that wound. And then the HDL will take away the, um, the debris, debris yes. and recycle the cells and everything else. What's the one standard process product I asked you if you were taking every day or at least a lot? The most 
Cyrutoplus. Cyrutoplus. I asked you for so long because your blood pressure was high for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew if your blood pressure was high, you could theoretically, you know, have a stroke, burst a, you know, blood vessel, what, I mean, an artery or whatever. But if you have good collagenous, strong collagenous fibers, then it, you can handle the high blood pressure. I just had an eye exam last week mm-hmm. or this, yeah, the past, several days ago. And my blood pressure was 20 points lower than it was a year ago at this time. Oh, good. Yeah. So, so Plus, in my opinion, is life-saving mm-hmm. to prevent strokes and prevent any other kind of cardiac event. Um, and then Cataplex F, as we talked about in our last podcast, is highly important to prevent cramps in the heart. Cardioplus feeds the heart. Omega-3s, as we talked about, the tuna omega-3 and the evening primrose that has the EPA and DHA in it. And then, of course, following Dr. Royal Lee's advice, Cataplex B maintains the normal rhythm of the heart. Mm-hmm. And make sure you eat wild fish, grass-fed butter, and eggs instead of taking drugs. There you go. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, you really just zipped over. So we're on number four. We'll try to go a little faster. Number four, the um, one of the most da- dangerous drugs you can take is steroids. And, and in this, we threw in anti-inflammatories, opioids, and pain relievers. So that we didn't have 20 bad drugs. Yeah. We put all four of these into one group. It was hard to come up with just 10 bad drugs. <laughs> yeah, but what about this one? Yeah, but, but the big one, one is one? prednisone because it's prescribed for everybody all the time. Low doses for everybody. Makes everybody feel great. Well, it was one of the wonder drugs from the 1930s. Yeah. And they found out that they could sweep antibodies out of the bloodstream by using prednisone, and that stopped the inflammatory attack inside the body. The inflammation would subside. But they noticed after using it, that it would it killed people in the form that they were using back then. They said, you can use this, but never use it more than a week. Now, I have patients who come to me for consultation, and they're on prednisone. And I said, how, how much did the doctor give you? And some of them have been on prednisone for two or three years. And others say, well, I've got this where I take six one day, five the next day, four the next day, three the next day. I said, well, yeah, well, then you've got a doctor who's up on the literature because he knows how dangerous that drug is. But then there's other people who have been on it for years. And it heals nothing. No, it just stops inflammation. It just stops inflammation. And inflammation is not the dirty words doctors say it is. Inflammation is your body sending blood to a part of the body that needs to heal. How else do we heal but by our blood? Now, we don't want chronic inflammation. That yeah, does we, cause We need tremendous, to find out why that's going we on. We need to heal the reason for it. We don't yes. want to stop the inflammation. This is crazy making. Yep. We want to heal the reason for the inflammation. Usually, the number one culprit is sugar. Yeah, well, that's what causes constant cardiac inflammation. Yep. The, the entire the vascular never, system. The never-ending the, ulcer. Yes. In your vas- cardiovascular system. Then the other drugs that um, are not necessarily steroids, but they're pain relievers, anti-inflammatories. Well, opioids. Let me say something about that, which is the most abused of all prescription drugs. I mean, in addition to addiction, opioids can cause cardiovascular problems, fatal seizures, as well as paranoia, abnormal heartbeat, choking, changes in mood, decreased cognitive function, interruptions in the menstrual cycle, infertility, and slowed breathing, just to name a few. Yeah, and slowed breathing can be no breathing. Yes. Well, that's where the one of the most common DOAs, 
in the hospital is someone who took, they just, they were hurting a little extra. They took a little bit extra opioid and the breathing stopped. Yeah. Yeah. My best friend died of that. She had lupus really, really bad, but she'd had two kidney transplants. She didn't die of lupus. She died of a morphine overdose. Yes. Just went to the hospital, had a hurting neck and I guess took too much. Nobody knows. And she just didn't wake up. Also, we had another really, really um, tragic problem. Um, a friend, a, a patient that we know that just stopped breathing, taking these. Just tragic. I don't even want to go into it. It's just so tragic. It's just so crazy what we go through. Well, the opioids, pain relievers kind of come together. Now, in our last podcast, or the one before last, we talk about a natural pain reliever. Yeah, um, the chlorophyll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was a new study that we just recently ran across. Seven in ten Americans are on at least one prescription drug, many of which can be deadly. There is a reason why. Prescription drugs are the third leading cause of death in America. Yeah, and I'll put that link also Good. in our, Good. In our um, links file. So and steroids, um, really bad thing. They just cover up symptoms. They do not heal anything. And instead, we would recommend... Doing gaps, get your gut healthy, and um, many other things. But gaps is the most important, and also chlorophyll for any kind of um, inflammation. Yeah, I think that's in seventy-seven podcast seventy-seven. I we talk so. about that. Yeah, at, at greater length. Why chlorophyll? Pure chlorophyll oil. Oil is so powerful as a pain reliever. Okay, number five is osteoporosis drugs. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I could tell so many stories about this. Um, one of the huge side effects of osteoporotic drugs, people don't know, is osteocarcinoma. Yes. Yeah, that little Bone thing. Bone cancer. Bone cancer. Um, you know, we hear Sally Field say, I took my calcium and my vitamin D and I still got osteoporosis. Isn't that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's probably a vegan. And of course, you know, your bones are made up of one third protein. So she probably, you know, didn't eat enough you know, protein to rebuild her bones. I mean, we can't even get bones to last a lifetime. And we can find bones from 5,000 years ago that are hard as still. These, yeah. these paleo diets. Yeah, you know? and they, they're, not, they're not petrified bones. No. <laughs> they're bones that are frozen, that have been found in the ice glaciers as glaciers melt and move and whatever. Old mummified remains of people that lived 10,000 years ago. Yeah, ours would be like the Stay Puft... Well, marshmallow we guy. can't get a woman's bones to last past 50 <laughs> No, before they start falling no. apart. Now, you have to understand, bones are dynamic. They're not static. They're, they're constantly absorbing bone and laying down new bone, absorbing bone and laying down new bone. When your body naturally absorbs bone and lays down new bone, you have dynamic bones yes. that aren't s- static. They're, they're moldable. When you take a drug that stops your body from absorbing bone and only laying down new bone, they become very brittle. Then they'll put you on a new drug in a couple of years that forces your body to not lay down new bone. I still, I still messed it up. You know, I'm, I'm not sure where you're, I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I always say this and it works so well in front of patients. <laughs> It's it's the opposite drug, the drug that forces your body. There's a the idea of an osteoclast mm-hmm. is to resorb 
the bone that's there now. And by resorbing, it digests the existing old bone, Mm -hmm. pulls that material into itself to rebuild new bone, which is what the osteoblast does. It's laying down new bone that becomes an osteocyte. After that osteocyte has lived its life, osteoclasts come in and resorb the old bone and lay down new bone. So you have this ongoing dynamic between the osteoclast, the osteoblast, and the osteocyte. And there's drugs that force osteoclasts to resorb. There's drugs that force osteoblasts to lay down. But you're never doing anything about the inherent strength of the bone. You're just changing its density, right? You're which make, is only a part of the picture. That's right. It's just it's just forcing your body to do what it naturally does. Yes, if you will give it the nutritional components that it needs, and to avoid other things that inhibit bone growth and bone resorption, then you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Then it will lay down new bone. Because it will, you will have eaten the protein and the calcium and everything else you need to build new bone, and then it will allow you to absorb bone. And it the does old this. yucky buildings that we don't want to build on top of, it will absorb those bones. And it does this based on the dynamic um, strength or, or uh, forces and efforts that you place upon the bone. If you have a very sedentary life, you're not going to have a whole lot of bone mass. If you're out walking two and three miles a day or if you're pumping iron or you have a a labor job where you're constantly moving and turning and twisting and lifting, you'll have stronger bones for that. And if you take a uh, proton pump inhibitor, you won't be able to build the bone too. No, you're going to... That's where you have the bone fractures. That's right. I mean, there's studies out there where your hip bones break and your jaws break off. Well, it used to be... it, It was thought of at one time that what happens is that people would fall down, an older woman would fall down and break her hip, but what they discovered is that the hip snapped while they were standing up, and yeah. then they fell down. Yeah, their hip snapped, yeah, then be- they fell. Because of uh, this osteonecrosis that can occur in the femoral head and in the femoral neck of the, of the top of the femur that attaches to the hip. But there's also osteonecrosis of the jaw, which is just a terrible, very difficult to treat, potentially disfiguring side effect of these drugs. Yeah, have these, your jaw fall off? Well, it's yeah. It's a little disfiguring. You, well, yeah. <laughs> and then then there's atrial fibrillation, this irregular heartbeat. It's always associ- associated with bisphosphonates. That's what these drugs are. They're called bisphosphonates. And just recently at the Maimonides Medical Center in New York, they published this meta-analysis. Now, a meta-analysis is analysis of other analyses. You could have this study of 50 people over here, this study of 500 people, that study of 1,000 people, all on the same basic concept. But a meta-analysis goes back in and looks at the all of these separate reports and creates a final report out of all of those reports. Well, this meta-analysis showed that use of bisphosphonate would increase the risk of serious atrial fibrillation, fibrillation by 40%. Wow. To the point where some of them required hospitalization. And fib- atrial fibrillation is where you just get this or this runaway heartbeat. And you go to the hospital, oh, you're in atrial fib. So they may do, use some drugs. They may use some electrical shock. They'll they may do little, different things. that little pacemaker pill inside of yes, your heart the one that that's we talked the size about. Of, yeah, we yeah. talked about that last week. And then there's esophageal cancer. Yeah. The use of these bisphosphonates, uh, uh, primarily Fosamax. It was a study that was done on Fosamax. 
And Fosamax is probably the most com- – there's Boniva and Activa and a few of these others. But um, uh, with the, studying Fosamax, they found out that 75% of those people who had esophageal cancer was directly attributed to their use of Fosamax. Wow. Three out of four people using Fosamax that got esophageal cancer – they said it's the Fosamax that did it. Three out of four. Three out of four of those who got the fo- uh, esophageal cancer. So how does this make any sense? The FDA that controls all this stuff, these drugs and everything else we've been talking about so far, was put in place to monitor drug safety with the public interest at heart. The FDA has been around since, I think, 1906, if I remember right. Dr. Wiley was the first director. But unfortunately, the reality is much less philanthropic and patient-oriented than we've been led to believe. The FDA has forged some very disturbing connections with Big Pharma that means essentially two things, more money for them and more harm to our health. Big Pharma pays what are known as user fees to the FDA as a part of Uh, an act that was passed in 1992, the Prescription Drug User Fee Act. And the intention, of course, was to, you know, ostensibly to speed up the drug approval process so the United States could keep up with the drug stuff that was going on with the rest of the world. But not surprisingly, the game of catch-up, the only winner is Big Pharma, not not you and me. (laughs) In addition addition to this, the executives with the FDA and Big Pharma are in this revolving door, and we've talked about this before, as as they work for one, then they work for the other, then they go back to one, then they go back to the other. For example, not too long ago, the FDA executive, Keith Weber, left the FDA to go work for Perigo, a, a drug company or Perigo, depending on what school you went to. And then on the flip side, Dr. Lawrence Yu, who was an executive for eight years at, at Pfizer and Glaxo uh, Smith Welcome, leaves them and goes and joins the FDA. So these are just two examples. There's a little collusion there. Well, you know, the, and then you look at the review board. So many members of the review board that actually gives permission for a new drug is made up of former drug company executives. Yeah. I mean, talk about the fox in the hen house. This is just, I mean, it's terrible. Okay, well, just to um, wrap up the osteoporosis drugs, these drugs, the Boniva, the Fosamax, um, there's a bunch of these different ones, but these drugs stop the body from resorbing bone and forces the body to just lay down, lay down new bone. Then in about two years, when your bones have become more brittle but not stronger, okay, they're thicker, but they're not stronger, they give you another drug. And that drug does the opposite. It forces the body to resorb bone mm-hmm. and does not allow the body to lay down new bone. Isn't that crazy? That's what your <laughs> own body does. So mm. let me tell you, instead use Standard Process's Bone Pack. This is an incredible pack. It has calcium food in it, which is literally bone, it's crushed bone, and they do it in a very special way. Only Standard Process has figured out how to do. We talked about this in length on a couple podcasts ago. But they do it with cold processing. No heat is involved. And it has the raw bone marrow in it. And it's raw. Remember, you need to have your animal products that you eat as raw or rare as possible. And your plant products should be cooked. Just the opposite of what we're told. Mm-hmm. 
But so this is calcium food. This is one of the things in this bone pack. There's four different supplements in this bone pack. And the calcium food is the king. I mean, it's an incredible supplement to take. And you chew it up or you can get it in powder form too if you don't like the way it tastes. It just it has honey in it, so it tastes pretty good. Then they have Ostrophin PMG, which is the protomorphogen for the bone. This will stop any autoimmune attack on your bones. Just that little thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's huge. Then it has cruciferous complete in it, which is cruciferous vegetables that push calcium into your bones. It forces it in. Well, they have K2. Yeah. And and vitamin K2 is absolutely essential for calcium Mm -hmm. to bind with bone. Yes, and then the last thing it has in the bone pack is vitamin D in a whole food form. And I'm not going to tell you how they get their vitamin D because you'll never take it. It's really gross. But it's in there. So the vitamin D, and you don't need massive doses of vitamin D, unlike your doctor will tell you. Yes. So instead of using these osteoporosis drugs, use standard processes bone pack. It comes conveniently packaged in little packages. So, surprise of surprises. We've gone through five of the ten, and a whole hour has gone by. So, I don't think we're going to finish the ten in this podcast, because you guys will be tired. So, we're going to do it next week. So, we're going to end this one with the osteoporosis drugs, and that's the first five. The first one we started off with are the PPIs, the acid reducers. Then we did statins. And then we went on to SSRIs, the antidepressant and anxiety drugs. Then we went to steroids, very, very dangerous drug. Osteoporosis was our last drugs. And next week we will do the, the, the rest of the... I think we should tell them what they are. So they can just sit around and just chomping at the bit to hear the next podcast. No, I disagree. I think they you should You think we wait. should keep no, them I in think suspense? Sh- yeah, I think so. That's what our whole marriage has been <laughs> Suspenseful. Okay, so we're going to end this here, give you guys a break, and we'll pick this up next week. But by now, you all should have gotten your username and password to get on our new Forbidden website. There are 700-plus Forbidden protocols on our website. All you have to do is get your username and password and log on, and you have access to 700 Forbidden protocols you've never been able to read before. I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, what is bothering you is listed in that 700. Yeah. Go browse through them or type in your symptom and the protocols will just pop up. We're constantly adding to these two, fixing them, adding new ones, putting media in, um, research documents, everything else. And, and so I want to add, I, I want to make this very clear. We're not treating the disease that these protocols are talking about. Almost all these diseases are simply the result of malnutrition. Mm -hmm. And the greatest tragedy of this last century, as Dr. Lee said, is that we're treating the symptoms of malnutrition with these chemical poisons. When if we would just turn back to some good nutrition, you'd find your body working just fine. And so what these protocols are designed to do is to provide the nutritional support for your body to take care of itself with these kinds of maladies that are listed there. So if you're not already a patient, the only way to see these protocols on our website is to take the symptom survey, then we'll send you your username and password. You'll get a personalized supplement protocol in the process, which is just an added bonus, and it's free. I mean, there's no obligation it's to buy anything. It's free for now. Yes. I don't know how long we'll be able to do this for free, but nowhere on earth can you get such personalized care for free. And I want to remind you of one more thing. These surveys are protected under HIPAA requirements. Nobody sees them 
except our nutritional staff, and either they or Mary or myself will respond to you. Okay, we'll see you next week with the next five most dangerous drugs. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing. Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor special scientific formula, our long-life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.